Hey, everybody, before we jump into today's episode, I just wanted to make sure you're following Testicular Cancer Awareness Foundation. We're on Facebook under that name. We're on Instagram and Twitter under Testis Cancer. That's T-E-S-T-E-S Cancer, C-A-N-C-E-R, which I'm very sure that you know how to spell at this point. So make sure you give us a follow if you're not already so that when we post new content or post reminders for your monthly self-exams, you can be the first one to see it. Thanks so much. Let's get into the episode. The stories shared on It Takes Balls are unique to the individual sharing. Always speak with your trusted medical provider for treatment options specific to you. Hey everybody, welcome to It Takes Balls, presented by Testicular Cancer Awareness Foundation. Today I'm joined by Jonathan Hester. He's the campaign manager for Governor Kay Ivey in Alabama. Jonathan, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing really good. Thank you so much for being here. Yes, sir. No, I'm excited to do it. I, I think what you guys are doing is really important, um, especially bringing awareness to guys that maybe don't even know, you know, this could affect their lives. Right. And red or blue politics. I mean, you can testicular cancer affects everybody. So, you know, it's important to to share. Well, you know, it's actually funny that you say that. So um, one of my really close friends uh, has worked in like, so I work in Republican politics, obviously. One of my really close friends has worked in Democrat politics the entire time we've known each other. And when I got diagnosed, he was one of the first people to reach out to me. And he told me that his brother had been diagnosed a couple years before, um, which caused his little brother to actually start studying to become a urologist. Uh, so specializing testicular cancer. So, I mean, it, it truly does affect everybody, no matter your, you know, faith, race, creed, whatever, like everybody can be affected by this. hundred percent. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself and, and kind of what you do and then, uh, let's get into your story. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, obviously went to Auburn university war Eagle, number one in the country right now, hopefully at last. Um, but, uh, went to Auburn, graduated. I moved up to Washington, DC. I worked up there, uh, doing some consulting work in communications and research, and then, uh, got offered to come back to Alabama, which is my home state to work for the governor's first campaign. Um, so luckily we won that. And then I went into the official office for the last three years and I just rolled back out to uh, do the campaign again. So we're really excited getting up and rolling. I know, you know, all of my family is filled with preachers. So I'm the only one that went into politics. So I say I'm the black sheep, um, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. And uh, as long as I'm crazy enough to do it, then I'll keep doing it. And I'm sure one day I'll be smart and decide to go do something else. But right now I still love it. Totally off the wall question here, but they say don't talk about religion or politics at, at the holidays. What do you... What do you guys talk and, about? And that is literally all dinner and lunch <laughs> and everything. Uh, basically, my two favorite topics to talk about are politics and theology, uh, just because like that's what I do and that's what my family does. Um, so it's it makes for really interesting conversations because people always like try to ask me about stuff. But it's actually funny because uh, in D.C., all of my friends worked in politics, obviously. And we had a rule that you cannot talk about politics after 5 p.m. So, because it's what we did for a living. So it was like, it was like, okay, like once 5 PM hits, like no talk about politics, we're just having fun because you know, you'd have people on different sides of fights and all that. But at the end of the day, like you weren't friends with somebody because of what their political beliefs were. You were friends with them because they were good people and they were good for you to have in your life. So we made that rule. We broke it a lot, but we did at least have the rule. That sounds like a good rule. All right, let's get into your testicular cancer story. You were diagnosed at age 27. Yes. Yeah. So I, um, 
really weird kind of, and I could kind of tell the backstory of like getting to the point of diagnosis. So uh, my wife and I, I started the new job in the governor's official side office um, in January of that year, end of January, beginning of February. Um, my wife and I got married in May of that year on May 25th. And we went to Puerto Rico for our honeymoon. And so it was a lot of fun. We did like, you know, hiking, kayaking, all that kind of good stuff. Um, but when we got back, I had a pulled muscle and it kind of was like in my lower abdomen through, uh, my groin into my leg. And I didn't know the reason why I just was like, okay, this is really bothering me. I need to go to the doctor. I'm also a hypochondriac, which in this case has served me well, you know, typically that doesn't, you just kind of get paranoid. Uh, but, uh, I decided to go to the doctor and he checked me out and he said, said, look, you know, he's been my doctor for a while. He goes, look, he's like, I think you're totally fine, but I want to send you to a urologist just in case. And so of course I was freaking out and I was just like, Oh, I go urologist. Could it be something bad? Well, they check me out. They do this, you know, they do a, um, uh, uh, scan on me and everything. And they say, everything's fine, but we want you to come back in in four months. And so I was like, okay, like, did you see anything? And they said, well, we saw like a little calcification, you know, varicocele, like nothing major, but like, we just want you to come back in in four months. And I was like, okay, cool. So I didn't even think about it again until they called me for my appointment and I was actually about to cancel the appointment because I had an event to go to that afternoon. And they said, well, we can put you first thing in the morning. And I said, okay, well, I'll come first thing in the morning. So they, I get there and they do an ultrasound and the doctor comes in and he said, he said, so he's like, put the picture up on the wall. And he said, so you see these, you know, blood vessels right here. And I go, yeah, I, yeah, I see the veins. And he goes, well, those are normal. Like that's reacting perfectly, yada, yada. I was like, okay. And then he goes, you see these up here on top. And I was like, yeah, what about him? And he goes, well, that's actually a mass. Um, judging by your age and your, you know, just the fact that you're in the, you know, prime demographic to have this, we believe it's a cancerous tumor. Um, he said, you know, there's a chance it's not can cancerous, but it's definitely a tumor and we need to operate. How does Friday look? And this was on Wednesday. I, after he said cancer, I completely zoned out. Like, it was just like echoing in my head. Um, I don't know if you've seen the movie 50-50, but like, it's a guy and it's, he's like, you know, about our age, like he was in his twenties, um, early thirties and he got diagnosed with cancer and it's just like his world kind of crashes in because like, I mean, 27, you're not thinking about that. Like mm -hmm. I just started a new job, you know, I just got married. I was literally on top of the world. Like I was, you know, just living my best life. Um, and then that came crashing down and I was you know, terrified. I started researching it and I started calling, you know, my family and close friends because I didn't want to freak anybody out because obviously when you, you're at that point, they don't really tell you like, oh, we know it's cancer. They say it's probably cancer, but we have to operate to get it out of you. And then, you know, in two weeks when the oncology comes back, we'll know whether it's cancer or not. And so I called close friends and I called my parents. Um, of course, my parents were freaking out. And uh, it was funny because I, I don't really deal with like, it, and it's weird because I'm a preacher. So, so I should be able to talk about like very like sensitive topics in a very, you know, helpful, comforting way. Mm -hmm. And I'm good at that with other people. But when I'm talking about myself, I can't. So I was uh, calling my friends and family and I said, I said, um, yeah, so uh, just so you know, I'm going into surgery on Friday. Um, I probably have testicular cancer, but, you know, negative side is I have cancer. But on the bright side, you know, after I get past this, I'll have two things in common with Lance Armstrong. You know, I'll be a testicular cancer survivor and I won't have any Tour de France titles. Um, 
So everybody was just like, dude, what are you like? Stop. Like, it's not a joke. Like, are you okay mentally? And I was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where I'm at. Um, so luckily, you know, they did the surgery and, you know, they said, you know, you've got, you're going to have three weeks of recovery. They were like, you do not need to be back in the office for three weeks. Like you just need to stay at home, lay around, you know, and that's it. But I was running this big, um, this big uh, study group for the governor's office. And I think it was exactly one week after my surgery, we were having a major meeting and I was supposed to run it. And so my office said, do not come in. Like you were totally fine. Stay home. But it meant a lot to me to be there Mm -hmm. because I put so much work into it. So I literally came in like limping, like no other, they, like one of the guys in the area that we were having the meeting offered to get me a wheelchair. And I was like, absolutely not. I was like, absolutely not. Like I'm just here. And like, nobody knew what surgery I had. Like people just knew that like I had some kind of surgery. And so I was limping around, um, got through the day and I was just like insufferable pain, but I was just like, I'm going to do it. It's fine. Um, that next Monday, I actually had to fly to San Diego for a work thing. <laughs> so literally it was like back to back. And I was just like, I'm not letting this slow me down. Cause I decided when I got diagnosed, I was like, I was like, I'm not letting this slow me down. You know, things I've got going on are not changing. Um, so then that next week I flew out and, uh, I actually got the call on that work trip that, um, it was cancer. And of course I was like, okay, kind of understood that. But my urologist, when we got done, had had told my wife, he was like, you know, it looks like we caught it super early. He was like, I, he's like, it wasn't even detectable by a normal test. He goes, so within that four months in between, it had developed into a tumor. Mm-hmm. He was like, so he was like, I don't think there's anything more. Um, luckily, that was the case. I started meeting with my oncologist. I've been on active surveillance for over two years now. Uh, so luckily, haven't had any issues recur um and every you know six months now and then after this next time i think i'll be up to a year yearly scans um every time it's you know you get a ton of uh anxiety going into it that bad skin anxiety but at the same time it's a celebration at the end like it's it's a massive celebration for me because i'm just like okay like i'm one step closer to being fully in remission you know i'm one step closer to being hitting that five-year mark and just having that peace of mind that it's you know very unlikely to come back one thing that so that's me at the beginning of your story was you said you're a hypochondriac and then you had this four months between. Did you not think about it at all? You were able to kind of put it behind you. We're so busy. Work, no, work or something. So yeah. So that, that actually is a good point. So um, when I went to the urologist, so the pain that I was having was on the right side. So it was on the right side completely. And um, when I went in, they checked out everything. So they did like a, you know, just a standard exam. And then they did the ultrasound and so uh after that like the pain went away he was like he was like yeah just be you know do stretches he was like talk to your doctor about different stretches to um help that out and he was like but it's definitely nothing to do with your groin and i was like okay when it came and i had it it actually occurred on my left side Hmm. so that was the reason because i mean the the pain of the you know the muscle pain had gone away so i just assumed that when i went back in for a check they were just you know it was just a standard procedure. I'd never been to a urologist before. So I assumed that like, okay, they just give it a little while and then bring you back in to check. But luckily my urologist has been doing this for 30 something years and he saw something on the left side that gave him pause. And he was like, yeah, we're going to have to, we're going to need to keep a watch. Might might be nothing, but his intuition kicked in. Um, And when he told me, he, he like did another exam and he said, he said, you know, I'm going to be honest. He was like, a lot of times when we find this, it's like very noticeable. There's a heaviness, there's a bump, 
there's something he goes, yours is so early. Like you wouldn't even, you would not have been even able to feel it on yourself for, you know, no telling how many more months. So it was just extremely lucky. And I was extremely blessed to have the urologist I did. Yeah. It seems like pretty common that uh, people are discovering it kind of coincidentally when, yeah. you know, like we've, I've talked to, uh, you know, guys in the air force who have just been getting their physicals and they were at the peak shape of their life. And like you were saying, you were at the peak, uh, you know, career kind of moments. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's wild and it's kind of bizarre because, you know, you're like, you don't think about, like, I never really had any thoughts about cancer as a young person. Like, you know, you see the commercials for St. Jude all the time where it's like, you know, uh, pediat- or, yeah, pediatric cancer. And you see children going through it and it's something that it's like an inter- like incredibly sad thing that they were born with something or it developed very early on in life. But especially guys at our age, like you don't see it. There's no representation out there. There's not people constantly talking about it. And you know, sadly, and I'm guilty of this when I was, you know, in high school and stuff, I'm sure is, you know, the cancer that we have turns into the butt of a joke. Mm-hmm. And it's like me calling my f- friends and family and joking about it because I didn't know how to cope with it. I didn't know how to tell my family like, oh, by the way, I'm 27. I'm recently married. I'm in a great job and I love my career path and I got cancer now. It's like, I mean, you don't really know how to put it out there and the lack of representation almost hurts because I didn't know like outside, I mean, honestly, and like, praise God that he has done what he's done for the space. Um, you know, the only person I knew who had, it was Lance Armstrong. But like one good thing I knew about that was looking at his story, like it had spread all over his body and it was stage four and he still beat us. Mm-hmm. And so like thinking of it in that manner was helpful, but I didn't start meeting guys or hearing guys stories. Like even my buddy whose brother had it, I didn't even start hearing those stories until I had it. So I've been, I've tried to be incredibly vocal about it. Like I've been open about my story as soon as, as soon as we did find out it was cancer um, and, you know, went to my oncologist and went under active surveillance um, because I hadn't hadn't broadcasted at all. I decided, you know, my doctor, my doctor told me my oncologist, he was like, it's like, just so you know, like you don't have to tell anybody you're going through this. Like he was like, it is completely your choice. Um, you know, some people feel, you know, like they're terrified to tell people because it can make them like, you know, seem weak. And then some people are like, oh yeah, like I'm going to tell people because they need to know this important thing about my life. Um, he was like, but it's completely your choice. And so I decided personally that I wanted to talk about it because I didn't know anybody else talking about it. You know, in my little tiny corner of the world, I didn't know anybody else And the amazing thing, like, so I released a video, like my wife and I did a video and put it on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And basically I just told the story and I talked about how I got diagnosed and talked about how I was in remission and all that. And then after that, it was shocking to me, like, because I still post every time I go get a scan, I post out like, like, you know, great, like, you know, six more months, cancer free. That's fantastic. And if it did come back, I would say, I would get on there first thing and say like, going into chemo tomorrow, let's kick its butt. Um, Because since I got diagnosed, I've been public about it. I've had so many guys and I'm like, it's countless at this point, guys reaching out to me saying, Hey, I appreciate what you're doing. I've got this question. Like I've got this thing I found, I've got this issue. Do I go straight to a urologist 
Um, do I go to my doctor? Like, like, can you tell me how to do a self exam? Like it has been so constant that I feel like, you know, when you've had it and you've been in our space being vocal to those, not just that have had it or are going through it or family members of those that have had it, but being vocal to everybody is important because we've got to make sure that people understand that this is a very real terrifying threat that guys, I think, what is it between the ages of like 18 and 35? Um, Testicular Cancer Awareness Foundation is 15 to 44 is what we. 15 to 44. I mean, it is the most common cause of cancer in guys my age. So, you know, it's one of those things that like, if I can help one person go get checked in early detection and be able to get it out and not have to go through chemo and radiation um, and not have any long-term side effects from it, like, I think that's important. 100%. And we don't tell these stories on this podcast to scare anybody. It's, you know, it's something that that you say might, somebody might identify with, something that, you know, somebody else says somebody might identify with. We're not trying to scare anybody. We just want you to know that you're not alone. And like you said, you know, you didn't hear anybody talking about it. And it's great that you're doing it. Well, and I'll say too, and this is a, this is a thing for any guy who might be worried about something they found or anything um, watching this right now and hearing what we're talking about every single guy, like I'm, and I can name five right off the top of my head that have messaged me wanting to get like, go to a doctor, get checked out. We're worried about something. Every single one of them, it came back that it was nothing, every single one of them, but they wouldn't have gotten checked otherwise. Uh, one of my best friends called me not that long ago and he was freaking out. And he was like, he was like, what were your signs and symptoms? And I was like, well, I actually didn't have any. I was like, I was, you know, it was extremely lucky the situation I got in. Um, but what are your signs and symptoms? He went to the urologist, found out he didn't have to have a referral. So he went to the urologist, got checked out. And uh, the doctor actually talked about me to him because he was like, yeah, Jonathan Esther referred me. And he was like, oh, yeah. He's like, he's my earliest case I've ever caught it. He goes, well, you're good. You don't have it. And so he was on his way and he was good to go. Um, so I think that the biggest thing is you shouldn't be scared to go to a doctor if you've got questions. Because if I had just like dealt with my pulled muscle and like not gone to the doctor the first time, I wouldn't have gotten referred over to a urologist and I wouldn't have gotten checked out and they wouldn't have said, come back in in four months. And like, you know, who knows when I would have caught it, you know? So any kind of medical issue, you know, guys need to be more active about taking care of our health. Like we just need to, we've got to take it in our own hands because nobody's telling you to, nobody's forcing you to, you know, once you're out of the house, like, you know, your parents aren't saying, Hey, you got to go get your checkup. Hey, you got to go to your, you know, physical, like they're, you're out of the house at that point. So you've got to take that into your own hands and make sure that you're controlling the narrative of your life. hundred percent. And you know, if people don't want to talk about it, that's fine. It's great to have people like you who do, because one thing, um, Dr. Phil Perazio, we talked to last month. He, if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to it. He talked about, you know, this being a disease really of survivors and, um, the mental aspect of it being kind of the hardest. So, Absolutely. One of the hardest parts. So if, if you are out there and you're struggling, I mean, you, you can hear these stories and know that other people have gone through it. You're not alone. Absolutely. And, you know, I'll say this, like, I've never been a crier. Like I've never been a crier and I, and I don't say this lightly, but like, it is part of my story and I don't like tell people this openly, but like, you know, the whole point of this is to talk to guys that might be going through it or our family members that might be going through this. Um, I didn't cry through the entire first part of it. 
I was terrified. I never had a major surgery. And I can say like when they were about to put like me in the anesthesia, I was terrified because I just hadn't had that happen. Like, you know, guys, a lot of friends of mine have like old, you know, baseball injuries where they had to have major surgeries or back injuries. Um, I never had that. So I was more scared of the surgery than anything else just because I'd never had surgery. But I didn't cry until it was, I think, couple weeks after. Um, and the only reason I remember those couple weeks after is because I still was limping really bad for my surgery. So I still wasn't fully recovered. Um, but we were at the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention's walk. Um, and my wife does a lot of amazing work with them and has for a long time. And this girl came up to our table and she talked to us about the fact that she tried to um, complete suicide. And like I'm getting emotional talking about it because like, I don't know why that hit me so hard, but I just like, as soon as she left the table that we were working, I just started bawling like a baby. And that was the first time I'd become emotional over my own experience. And I had finally confronted, this is what you've gone through. Um, it, I mean, like what you're saying about like it being a mental issue afterwards, like it being like something you mentally have to deal with. Like, I was not fully myself for months after, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's like you, not only do you have like your testosterone kind of trying to regulate within your own body and your, you know, hormones trying to figure everything out. Um, but like mentally you just went through a very traumatic experience and like for the rest of my life now, like, you know, which hopefully I'd live to be 110 and on the moon colony with, uh, Elon Musk, but <laughs> you know, for the rest of my life, I'll always be a cancer survivor. That's always going to be part of my story. Mm-hmm. You know, um, whether people know that or not, like, you know, you have to look at the anxiety that you're going through. You know, you might be going through depression or anger or, you know, why did this have to happen to me? You know, I lean specifically on my faith to really try to understand it. Um, and my faith is extremely important to me. But not just that, like you have to also understand that from that point forward, you always have to talk to people and understand people with empathy because you don't know what people are going through. You know, I, I didn't know that like so many people in my life had gone through cancer scares. I was at a, I was at a work conference and there was somebody from, you know, multiple governor's offices there and we were sitting at a table eating dinner and the lady sitting right beside me, um, she found out about like what I had gone through and she told me that she had gone through stage four breast cancer and she was in remission from that. And we just celebrated. And then another girl that I knew from another governor's office was sitting across from me. And she said, I was like pre breast cancer and I got surgery for it and all that. I mean, the thing is you don't know what people are going through. And I feel like you've got to use your, you know, use your anxiety and use your, um, your experience to try to understand what other people are going through. Um, and try to be helpful, try to be a light to other people. I mean, that's, that's one of the hardest things I think it is for somebody to realize once you get through it is, you know, you need to be as big of a light and as big of a help to others as humanly possible. Um, whether it be that you want to share your story and I don't, and I don't consider like guys that share or don't share like brave or not brave. It is a complete personal decision. Um, you know, I personally decided, I was like, I want to share this out because I don't know anybody that's gone through it. And I want to make sure that if somebody else going through it, they can call me and they can say, Hey, I'm going through this. 
Um, but it is something that is extremely personal that happened to you. And it's taboo to talk about it, which we've got to break the stigma of men's health issues in general, but it's taboo to talk about it. Um, so you've just got to understand that like wherever you're at, you need to try to help those around you. Um, if you are a survivor and if you're going through it, welcome to the club. It's the coolest club that you never wanted to be a part of. There's so many great people out there. There's so many people that want to help you, um, and talk to you about it. Um, obviously like anybody that watches this, if they want to find me on Facebook or Twitter, Instagram, and, you know, shoot me a DM, I'm more than happy to talk to you. Uh, because you know, you need support. Like one of the first guys I got connected to, um, through the testicular cancer awareness foundation was a guy out in Colorado who found his by happenstance. And he like called me, it was like the day after my surgery and he gives me a call and he was like, how are you feeling? And I was like, awful. I was like, I'm laying on the couch <laughs> watching movies. I was like, I, I, I can't really move. And he was like, he's like, great. He goes, well, welcome to the club. He goes, you're going to be fine. And like, that's what you need to hear. And like, you've got to be that for other people. Yeah, that's great. Um, And, you know, and in your position working with the governor, you have been able to um, get a proclamation. Let's talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so April is Testicular Cancer Awareness Month. Um, it is a huge deal. So the governor's office does proclamations on different, you know, health related issues in different months, weeks and days. Um, so the governor has declared it testicular cancer awareness month in the state of Alabama. So hopefully this will just be one more tool to break the stigma surrounding what we've gone through and be able to shine a light on this major issue facing, you know, guys like us. That's awesome. And then, you know, if anybody, obviously it's April now, so it might be too late, but anybody in other States, if you want to help with it, reach out to me or, um, you know, maybe Jonathan, I don't know, maybe you'll offer your assistance with putting together a proclamation, uh, in different States. So that'd be, that'd be great. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think that, you know, one of the easiest things that government officials in any capacity can do is bring awareness to issues, um, that affects so many people. And, you know, obviously this personally affected me. Um, the governor is a cancer survivor as well. Um, we actually were not that far apart months when, you know, she had super early stage cancer. I had super early, early stage cancer. Um, luckily she, you know, kicked his butt and it was gone. You know, I kicked his butt and it was gone. Um, but it's something that has affected so many people um, surrounding our office and every single office in America. Um, so, anything that officials can do to help with that. Most of them are more than happy to. And so I think it's extremely important. If you know somebody that is connected with the government office, just ask them, you know, just talk to them because officials are, you know, more than happy to say, Oh yeah, this is a huge deal. Like, let me put something out. Let me post it on social media. Let me, you know, do a quick video on it. Let me do a proclamation um, just to bring more awareness to the issue. Yeah. And like you said, and you're, uh, I think you said your small corner of the world, you didn't even know about it. So, I mean, yeah. how many people are out there just like you? Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, and the thing is like, you know, my viewpoint is, you know, especially you kind of get like a understanding working in politics. Like I've touched so many things that so many people are seeing, like so many people are seeing like, Oh, this, you know, politician said X or this politician did this, or I saw this, you know, commercial out. Um, but you really understand how small your corner of the world is. Um, whether you're in a small group at church, whether you're in a sports league, you know, whether you're in, you know, a, you know, dodgeball club, like whatever, uh, 
those people are the people that rely on you um, to have a better understanding of the world around them. And, you know, as you can affect one person positively, you know, if you can change your little corner of the world, make it a better place for those around you, um, then you should try, you know, it might not always work out, but it's always worth the try. Shout out to you, man. It sounds like <laughs> kindness is your key. You know what else is key? Early detection. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> also just, if you're watching this and you have never gotten into like checking yourself or anything, do it. Like I, I tell every guy I know, um, check regularly, check, check often. Um, there's cards on the testicular cancer awareness foundation's website that you can look at for guidance. Um, it, it's something that you've got to do, you know, and when you hit 44, you can be super excited that at that point, you know, from then on out, then you'll just go to the doctor and they'll give you prostate exams, which is also super <laughs> not cool. Uh, but that being said, like if you're in the age range that it's prominent, you definitely need to be checking yourself, going to the doctor regularly, getting checked up. Um, because if you don't, then you could end up in a situation where you let something get out of control that you didn't even know you had. Thank you for the shout out for the testicular cancer awareness foundation website. We, we do have all Absolutely. those resources on there. Um, let's jump back to, you know, you said you were just recently married. So when you get a cancer diagnosis and being a newlywed, I mean, what is that like in your head? Uh, terrifying. Um, so it, that morning when I got told at the urologist, um, I called my wife and I called her and then she didn't pick up and I called her again. Cause I was like, I was like, I got it. I got to tell her. And so when she did pick up, um, she was like, Hey, what's going on? Cause she knew I was at the doctor. Uh, but again, she thought like I did, it was just gonna be a normal checkup. And she was like, what's going on? And I was like, I was like, Oh, are you in a meeting? And she was like, yeah, I'm in a meeting. I was like, Oh, just call me back when your meeting's over. And she was like, okay, well, she knew that something was going on. Like she knew that I wouldn't be called her twice if, you know, it was just a normal checkup. And so she immediately stepped out of the meeting, called me back. She was like, tell me what's going on. Cause she knew like, even though I hadn't said anything, she knew. And, you know, we had been together for multiple years prior to getting engaged, prior to getting married. Um, so, I mean, she probably knows me better than I know myself just to be quite honest. And so she called me and then she talked to me and she said, okay, don't worry. We're going to get through it. Like, and I had the same scare that anybody does. I mean, it's, you know, when you see when you see a loved one and we actually have, you know, another personal connection with cancer uh, because we just went through her dad having cancer. Um, And you see a loved one going through something that you have no control over, you know, it's hard. And especially like newlyweds. I mean, everybody told us like the first year of marriage is going to be the craziest, you know, year of your life. Like trying to figure out everything. We didn't realize that the first year of our marriage would include, you know, a cancer diagnosis and a global pandemic. Like that was like not in the realm of possibility initially when we got married. Um, But then, you know, it was what it was. So uh, it was tough at first, but honestly, I think the experience made us stronger in our relationship because, we saw that and we said, okay, like, you know, if she can put up with my, you know, crazy mood swings, trying to like, you know, my body's trying to figure itself out while I'm sad and anxious and depressed. Um, if she could put up with that for me, then, you know, we can get through anything. So it's, it, it was tough, but I think it made us stronger. That's great to hear. Glad you guys seem to be doing well. Um, which leads me to my next question. Yeah. Um, kids is that something that you guys have talked about or want to want to have yeah so uh 
if you are, if you let me say this to anybody watching, if you're currently going through this, uh, make sure at the beginning, you just go ahead and go to the, um, I think it's like, technically it's like the reproduction and endocrinology and bank, just go ahead and do it, get it out of the way. It's weird. It's awkward. You'll be thankful for it later. Um, yeah, so we do eventually, not yet. Uh, all of our friends are starting to have babies. And so we're kind of getting like that. We we told, we said, we were like, we're not having kids till we're 30. We were just like, that was our rule. We got married. We had an understanding like 30 is when we'll have kids. Um, so now I'm 29 now I'm like maybe 31. Uh, but <laughs> that being said, um, yeah, that's been a conversation. And it was scary for me because I when I went to get checked, I was like, you know, you don't even, until you're trying to have kids, you don't even really think about whether you can have kids. Like, it's just something natural. It's just like, you're just like, oh, well, I can probably have kids. Like, you know, you don't think about it. Um, so yeah, luckily, you know, I'm still totally fine on that front. Um, but do you have some, you know, in a random Birmingham hospital in a refrigerator somewhere? <laughs> uh, but that being said, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a conversation that like, again, five months into being married, we had to start talking about like, okay, we haven't even really like decided on the whole kids issue yet. And uh, I've got to go check and make sure I can have them. So it's like, you know, it's one of those weird things that comes up, but uh, yeah, I definitely want to at some point. And then, uh, you know, we've got some saved up just in case we need it. But as of right now, you know, doctor was like, yeah, you're good. So as long as nothing comes back, then hopefully that'll be a relatively smooth venture. Yeah. Well, best of luck to you guys for sure. Um, do you have any advice? We kind of have talked about advice the whole way through, but I mean, do you have any yeah. kind of like bona fide, like here's an advice statement for somebody facing the diagnosis right now? Yeah. So if you are facing the diagnosis, um, the advice I would give myself, and this is kind of like what my dad told me and what my uh, wife told me and what my mom told me and our preacher told me, I mean, like literally everybody who I was talking to told me, um, face it head on. If you're looking at a diagnosis, face it head on, head on, um, no matter what's on the other side, cause you'll probably get surgery first saying most that's, you know, most guys have to do that first. Um, you probably get surgery first thing, whatever's on the other side of the surgery is what's on the other side of the surgery. You know, you can't control that. You put your trust in doctors. They know what they're doing. And you have to understand that they went to multiple years of medical school and residency um, to be able to treat you. Um, you know, if you're scared, reach out to somebody and talk about it. Don't don't bottle that up. You know, afterwards, I think that, you know, my wife was a little bit worried because I hadn't cried. I hadn't really showed emotion, but I hadn't had a catalyst for it yet. Like nothing had really like hit me. And it's okay to feel emotion at any point in the process. Like, I mean, I would be watching a movie and a sad scene would come on like a month after my surgery and I would start crying and I've never been a crier. I mean, like, it's just, it's something that I've never been apt to do. Um, but you've got to let those emotions out. And if you're feeling scared or anxious or anything, you've got to talk to people. I mean, you've got, there are people that God puts in your life um, to be there for you. And so reach out. I mean, reaching out to strangers is great. I mean, if people, you see somebody that's gone through it, reach out to them, reach out to me. I mean, I'm more than happy to talk to you. Um, you know, don't let my Southern accent get in the way. I, I know a little bit about the subjects I've been through it. Uh, so feel free to reach out to me. I mean, it's, it's not something that you should be going through alone. And I think that's one of the best things that your organization is doing is telling people they're not going through it alone. 
Um, it's, you know, there's a Facebook group that, you know, it's a massive support group for testicular cancer patients and survivors. And I have felt so much love and given so much love in that group. Um, because it's people going like, Hey, I have never gone through anything like this. I'm scared. What do I do? That was me. When I first entered the group, I was like, I was like, there's, you know, it's like 50,000 people, something like that in this group. And I was like, there's 50,000 people right now that are either going through this or family of people going through this that have a similar story to mine right now that I could just post something out and say, Hey, has anybody gone through this? And I'll get 30 responses within 30 minutes of guys going, Oh yeah, I've absolutely gone through that. Or my buddy tags their buddy and says, they've gone through it, reach out and make sure that you had that support system built up and talk about it because bottling bottling your emotions on the subject up within yourself does not help. And I, I saw, you know, a heartbreaking story about a guy who just refused to go get checked. Like he knew something was wrong and he just refused to go get checked. Finally, when he went to the doctor and everything, I think it was like stage two. And so he had a lot more intensive treatment than he would have otherwise. Um, you know, if you, if you're on the fence, if you feel like something's wrong, if you've come across this video, because you're doing your own research and you think, Oh, I have this. If you're a hypochondriac like me and you've done your own research and gotten to this video and you're watching it and you're saying like, Oh, should I go get checked? Go get checked. Just go get checked. Know that there's always people that are going to stick their hand out there and say, look, I've gone through it. It's no big deal. You're going to be fine. And the important, important thing to note there is testicular cancer, 95% curable if detected early. Absolutely. So, so like you're saying, just if you, if you see something, say something, go get checked. No shame. No, just do it. I mean, the doctors, I mean, I, you see all these weird things that doctors have seen, like, you know, coming in like their offices, like, trust me, that's not going to be the weirdest thing that the doctor has to do all day is to make sure that you don't have cancer. Like that is not like by far, not the weirdest thing that he's going to have to do that day. That's standard procedure. That's the reason why there are doctors the reason why you can go in. I mean, if you go into, a, you know, one of the urgent care clinics, like they'll do an exam on you and if they think something's wrong, they'll refer you to like, you don't even have to go to a regular doctor. Like, you know, you've got to make sure that you've detected it early. You've gone and got yourself checked out um, because it's so important. You know, it's, it's so important. It's your own life that you're, it's your own life that you're working with. And if you don't take your own initiative on it, nobody else will. Nobody's going to drag you kicking and screaming to the doctor. Nobody's going to like call you every single day, except I will say one of my buddies, I had to call him every single day because he was super worried. And he was like, I don't want to go to the doctor. And I was like, no, you're going. Um, so I ended up calling him like every day. And then finally he went and he was good. Um, but you know, nobody's going to be dragging you there. Like you've got to take it into your own hands get early detection, reach out to your loved ones, reach out to people that have gone through it, you know, join a support group, um, stay active. Like, don't, don't let it slow you down. If you, I mean, if you have surgery and you have to fly to San Diego in a week from across the country, fly to San Diego in a week across the country. I mean, like, don't let it slow you down. You know, the biggest issue with that trip for me was not the fact that I still was like sore and like, you know, not emotionally stable from my surgery and all that. The biggest issue for that trip was I flew into the Charlotte airport and my terminal for my next flight was across the airport. 
And I literally asked somebody if I could get on one of the go-kart things. And they were like, oh, that's only for people in wheelchairs. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I hobbled across the airport. I was like literally hobbling at top speed, just trying to get to my next flight and luckily made it. Um, but don't let it slow you down. Just, you know, take it in stride. Um, you know, it is scary, but you know, good things come out of scary things. Like, you know, I feel like, you know, it made me stronger as a person, which obviously I never wished to go through it. Maybe strong as a, as a person, it made me meet so many great people that have also gone through it and have lived with this for years. Um, I found out so many incredible stories from people. Um, so don't let it be a deterrent in your life. You're like your life's not over. Your life's just beginning. And then five years after that, you know, as long as you don't have it recur, then you get to be a full on survivor, which is awesome. And then you don't have to get poked, you know, multiple times with a needle within a week for, you know, <laughs> at least a while. So it's a good thing. Well, you've been great. Do you have any final thoughts, any doctors you want to shout out in Alabama that, you know, if anybody's around and near you? Yeah. And- so, uh, Mel Duggan was my urologist. Um, he is fantastic. He is still practicing in Birmingham. Um, if somebody's watching this in Alabama, uh, urology centers of Alabama, they do an incredible job there who, you know, got mine, treated me, um, great people. I would shout out my first oncologist because I loved him, but he actually just retired. So, um, I've only had one appointment with my new oncologist, but Dr. Ira Gore, um, was my first oncologist. And he made me feel like it was the most normal thing in the world. He, you know, always walked in bubbly personality. And he was just like, he's like, how's it going? Like everything good. Um, last year, I actually lost a bunch of weight on purpose. I was like trying to lose weight. And uh, he walked in the first thing he said, he was like, Jonathan. I was like, yes, sir. And he goes, you've lost 40 pounds. I was like, I have. He goes, were you trying to lose 40 pounds? I was like, I was. And he goes, Good job. Okay. I just want to make sure because your CT scan was clear. So you don't have cancer or anything, but like, I was just, he was like, I was a little bit worried about you. And I was like, no, I tried. Trust me. And I was like, I was like, just cut back on the, cut back on the Cokes, cut back on the sweet tea, like, you know, ate salad more than once a month, you know, just tried to do the normal stuff like that. I need to get on that plan. Cause I tried to put on a suit today and it did not close the same way it did before. Dude, Here's the thing though, about losing weight. I was like so excited and I was very happy that I lost the weight. But now I've been slowly having to rebuild all my clothes. And so I'd say like still in my closet and I, and I got down to the way I am now, like mid last year, 90% of the clothes in my closet don't fit. And they make me look like I'm wearing like my dad's coat as a kid. Like it's so bad. So at times I'm like, I'm like, do I want to spend money or do I just want to gain back 40 pounds? Like it's, you know, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a TV. I don't know. <laughs> Well, what you would spend on clothes, you'd probably have to spend on food. So, exactly. I mean, true, true. It's it's a wash at the end of the day. Yeah. Hey, well, thank you so much again for for telling your story. I really appreciate it, and everybody listening appreciates it. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you guys doing this. Um, keep up the good work. More people need to hear this message. More people need to, you know, f- need to hear guys talking about it because it's something that should be normalized. I think we're finally getting to that point. You know, I think with the Movember movement. Like we're finally talking about men's health issues, um, not just what you know we've gone through in testicular cancer, but you know depression, suicide, prostate cancer. You know we've got to normalize these things. And as guys, we are the only line of defense in our health. We are the only line. We have to make sure that we're telling other guys, "Hey, go get checked. Hey, do this." Um, so I appreciate what you guys are doing. Thank you so much. 
For more information and resources for your testicular cancer journey, visit testiculaircancerawarenessfoundation.org. You can also follow us on social media at Testis Cancer. We're on Facebook at Testicular Cancer Awareness Foundation.